بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس عبدوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الحدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محتثاتها وكل محتثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أما بعد Indeed, I praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first and foremost that he has gathered us in this masjid and that we remember the affairs of the deen, that we remind each other of the affairs of our religion. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he makes this small kalima a reminder for myself first and then for my brothers and those that are listening. Innahu jawadun kareem. My brothers, indeed, we live in a time where fitna is widespread and jahl has become manifest and apparent and knowledge is lifted and the balaya and trials and tribulations are widespread, especially in this era of social media where a fitna can occur on one side of the world and within a matter of seconds, it's on the other side and it is spread. And our Prophet wasallam, he has mentioned many signs for the establishment of the last day. So it occurs in the Sahih of Imam al-Bukhari from the noble companion Abu Huraira radiyallahu anhu that the Prophet wasallam said لا تقوم الساعة حتى يقبض العلم وتكثر الزلازل ويتقارب الزمان وتظهر الفتن وَيَكْثُرَ الْهَرْجِ وَهُوَ الْقَتْلُ الْقَتْلِ حَتَّى يَكْثُرَ فِيكُمُ الْمَالُ فَيَفِيرُ The Prophet ﷺ, he said that the hour will not be established until knowledge is taken and lifted and earthquakes increase and are more frequent and that time is restricted and feels closer and that fitan is widespread and killing becomes frequent and wealth increases to the extent that it will be much and widespread and everywhere. Our Prophet also mentioned in an authentic hadith that as the days go by and the years go by, each year that follows will be worse than the previous year. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for safety and well-being. He mentioned in a hadith, لا يأتي عليكم عام ولا يوم إلا والذي بعده شر منه حتى تلقوا ربكم. He mentioned in an authentic hadith that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "There will not come to you a day or a year except that that which follows will be worse, and this will occur until you meet your Lord." So as the days go by, as the months go by, as the years go by, each year, each day, each month will be worse than that which preceded. And these are from the signs of the hour. And we see these fitan that are widespread. And we experience this ourselves, my brothers, the ajaib, the evil that is widespread in these days. And those affairs that are present now, 15 years ago maybe, we didn't expect these affairs to occur. Maybe 10 years or even 5 years. And those elders here, they can attest to this more than I can. That as the years have gone by, 
the affairs have become much worse. And we are exposed to much fitan. Our children are exposed to fitan. And we can only ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for safety and well-being. So it is as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said that fitan would become manifest and widespread. And the types of fitan, my brothers, are many. Allahu musta'an. The trials and tribulations that people face are numerous. And these trials could be related to us, ourselves, could be our children, it could be our wealth, our time even, in many, many affairs. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentioned in the Qur'an, أَحَسِبَ النَّاسُ أَنْ يُتْرَكُوا أَنْ يَقُولُوا آمَنَّا وَهُمْ لَا يُفْتَنُونَ do people think that they will be left alone because they say we believe and they will not be tested? So the believer will be tested. These fitan that occur, Allah tests the believers and He tests their iman. So these fitan, my brothers, that are widespread, the question is what do we do to save ourselves from these fitan? How do we come out? with safety and security on the other side? How do we interact with these fitan? There are a number of affairs that aid the Muslim upon these fitan and how a person can save himself, he can seek salvation by the permission of Allah and from these ways is returning back to the people of knowledge that when these fitan occur, these calamities occur we return back to Ahlul Ilm, the people of knowledge and so they can in detail explain to us how we can come out salimin, upright and correct. And this is from the hikmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and from his mercy that he has chosen from his servants, imams of guidance and knowledge and salah, uprightness and hikmah of wisdom, that through these imams and scholars and people of ilm, others are guided. They are guided from the darkness of jahl, of ignorance, and the darkness of shubah, of doubts and misconceptions and misguidance. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentioned in the Quran, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Ask the people of dhikr, the reminder, the people of knowledge, if you do not know. And so from these scholars that the people will return to, with Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, Al-Harrani, Al-Alim Al-Rabbani, who concerned himself with cultivating the people. And he was blessed with the ilm of the diseases and sicknesses that can affect the heart. And also he was blessed with how one can save himself and remedy these diseases. And so there came a man who asked Shaykh Al-Islam, a man in need, a man that realized that he was overtaken by his desires and, his, and the sicknesses that he had in his heart. He was a man that was down, depressed and so on, that his hawa has overtaken him, the fitan have, have overtaken him. However, he wanted to save himself and he wanted salvation. And so Sheikh Islam, he gave a beautiful answer to this question. A tremendous answer, an answer that is concise but contains much benefit. And this answer is relevant to all times and all periods. And this answer from him, Rahimahullah, applies to that which we find now in these days from the evil that is widespread, the fitan that is widespread. So it occurs in Jami'ul Masail that Shaykh Islam. He was asked, um, Rahimahullah, Ma dawa'u man tahakkama da? What is the cure for the one controlled by his sickness? What is the solution for the one overcome by chaos and madness? وَمَا الطَّرِيقُ إِلَى التَّوْفِيقُ 
And the one that is overcome by laziness, what does he do? And what is the path to success? And what is the way out for the one overtaken by confusion? In If he wishes to turn to Allah, his desires prevent him. And if he wishes to remember Allah, then his evil thoughts, those thoughts that are related to the world, they overpower him. And if he wants to busy himself with good, he can't comply and it leads to failure. He fails. And then he mentioned some lines of poetry where he said, Desires have overpowered him. So you see him confused whilst he's sober, but in reality he's intoxicated, meaning intoxicated by his desires and the evil thoughts that he has. In Rama Qurban Lil Habibi, Tafarraqat Asbabuhu wa Tawasala al Hijranu. If he seeks nearness to one beloved to him, the means are dispersed. So the abandon continues. Those that he would abandon, even if he wants to seek nearness to them, be close to them, to keep ties, because the, the avenues are being cut off, then the boycott continues. Hajar al He abandons family. Seeking wealth. But when he finds it, meaning he finds wealth and those that can aid him upon wealth, they only increase him in confusion. He increases in nothing but confusion and laziness. Is this the case that one is humiliated by those he seeks help from? So this is the question. He wants to know how he can save himself from Hawa, his desires, his evil thoughts, these fitan, the evil people that are around him. What can he do? And so we asked Shaykh al-Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, and he answered with a beautiful answer. And so he began, and in truth, my brothers, the answer that he gave he mentioned a number of affairs that can save the person, but each one of these affairs, in reality, they each deserve a lecture or two themselves. However, he gave a very concise answer that is applicable to our time and in any time. So he first began by saying, Dawa'uhu al-iltija'u ilallahi ta'ala wa dawamu al-tadarru'i ilallahi subhanahu. He mentioned that his remedy is to seek refuge with Allah, the Most High, and to persistently lower himself and to submit himself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the first thing he began with, seeking refuge with Allah, turning to Allah, and one lowers himself. And... This first affair of turning to Allah, we are all in need of this affair in all times, especially those times of hardship, those times of difficulty. And when a person, he may face some type of dhulm, oppression, or enmity from another person, or poverty, or he's prevented from something, or he is sick in his body, or any other such affliction, the first thing he should do is turn to Allah Azza wa Jal. Because he should understand fully well that Allah is the one that can remove this affliction from him. And nobody else can do this. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions, And if, if Allah afflicts you with harm, there is none who can remo remove it except him. So it is as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned, 
If one understands this, that whatever he faces from fitna and trial and affliction and hardship and difficulty, Allah is the one who removes this from him. And so he turns to Allah. Whenever one feels down, he feels sad or some type of sorrow or grief, or he feels that all the avenues to khair are restricted and closed off, he turns to Allah. He seeks refuge with Allah and Allah is sufficient for him. And one should say, as a noble prophet, Ya'qub said, Innama ashku bathi wa huzni ilallah. Indeed, I only complain of my grief and sorrow to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Shaykh al-Islam, he mentioned in Jami'ul Masail also, he said, indeed, a man, if he doesn't fear Allah, he, fe- he follows his desires. Because he seeks that which he wants. Whatever his hawa calls to, he seeks and desires that thing. And the nafs of a person, what it wants is to be at ease and to be tranquil. And it desires comfort. So when there comes some sort of affliction and there comes a baliya, hardship, difficulty, whatever it may be, if this person does not have the dhikr of Allah, he doesn't turn to Allah, he doesn't turn to ibadah, what can he turn to except sin and evil? And this is why we have, for example, the kuffar, they may say that one is drowning his sorrows. He turns to alcohol to forget his sorrows. Because the nafs seeks to be at ease. If there's no ibadah, there's no dhikr, this is what one, one turns to. Shaykh al-Islam mentions he finds ease with the muharramat, with those prohibited affairs. From carrying out evil deeds or drinking alcohol, for example, or those affairs that are impermissible. This is what one does. If he doesn't fear Allah and he follows his hawa. But the Muslim, the believer, he should turn to Allah first and foremost in any affliction before anything. And Shaykh uh, Al-Uthaymin, rahimahullah, he mentions in his tafsir of uh, Yasin, he mentions, Yanbaghi bal yajibu ala al-insani al-luju'u ilallahi azza wa jal. He mentions, it is befitting, rather it is wajib, it is obligatory that one turns to Allah. Because he is the one, azza wa jal, who possesses everything that is in the heavens and the earth. فَلَا تَعْتَمِدْ عَلَى مَا فِي قَلْبِكَ مِنْ رُسُوقِ الْإِيمَانِ مَثَلًا Do not then rely upon that which is in your heart from firm iman. And that you believe that shaitan will not overpower you. And that your hawa, your desires will not overpower you. That hawa that calls to evil. بَلْ كُنْ دَائِمًا لَاجِئًا إِلَى اللَّهِ تَعَالَى سَائِلًا Rather, always... Seek refuge with Allah, always turn to Allah, asking Allah for thabat. And this is a reminder, my brothers, that no matter what you have from ilm and understanding of the religion, and what you may have from memory and so on, don't be amazed with yourself. And don't think that your deeds alone will save you, rather return to Allah. Whatever you have from khair, whatever you have from good is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't be deceived. Rather, always turn to Allah in all of your affairs. And this is the first thing that Shaykh al-Islam began with. And then he mentions, And to supplicate to Allah, and that one learns those supplications that are reported in the, the sunnah of the Prophet ijaba, And he, he supplicates in those times where acceptance is more likely, such as the last part of the night, or the time between the adhan and the iqama, or in sujood, and just before the taslim of the salah, in these times, 
one should supplicate more frequently. Because these are the times that dua is accepted. So this is his <coughs> second piece of advice. A dua And the affair of dua, my brothers, is a tremendous and great affair. Dua is one who is weak, one who is da'if. And he knows that he is weak. And so he humbles himself, he lowers himself before his Lord. And he supplicates, he seeks aid from his Lord. And he raises his hands and he asks Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentioned in the Quran, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبُ أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دَعَانِي فَلَّسْتَجِيبُوا لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ And when my slave asks you concerning me, then answer them, I am indeed near to them by my knowledge. I respond to the invocations of the supplicant when he calls on me. So let them obey me and believe in me so that they may be led aright and guided. So dua, my brothers, is from the most noble of the acts of worship and from the greatest of ta'at of obedience. And it is from the most beneficial of those affairs that one can use to seek nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah, he mentions in Ad-Dawa dawa that the dua, the supplication, is from the most beneficial of remedies. And dua is the enemy of affliction. It defends and fights and treats the bala, the calamity. And it prevents it being or it prevents it from descending. And it raises it or it lightens it if it occurs. The dua is the weapon of the believer. So the Muslim, he should learn from the sunnah of the Prophet that which has been reported authentically from these supplications. And then he supplicates to Allah in those times where ijaba is more likely, those times when acceptance, when Allah will accept them, were more likely to be accepted. Such as, as Shaykh al-Islam mentioned, the last part of the night, between the adhan and the iqamah, in the sujood, before the salah finishes, when one is fasting, when one is traveling, the last hour of Friday and so on, these times. And this requires ilm, my brothers. It requires knowledge. It requires that one seeks this, this knowledge of when the dua will be accepted. And what are the supplications the Prophet ﷺ would supplicate with? Another important point, that one should not supplicate to Allah except that his heart is attentive and he hopes to be accepted. And the Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned in a hadith, Ud'u Allah wa antum bil ijabah. Supplicate to Allah whilst having certainty that it will be accepted. And he said, وسلم, know that Allah does not accept a dua from a heart that is heedless and not attentive. So one's heart should be present. He should be certain that Allah will accept. Muqin, with, with yaqeen, with certainty. That Allah will accept. And Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah mentions to add to this in Al-Fawaid, إِذَا اجْتَمَعَ عَلَيْهِ قَلْبُهُ وَصَدَقَتْ ضَرُورَتُهُ وَفَاقَتُهُ وَقَوِيَ رَجَاؤُهُ فَلَا يَكَادُ يُرَدُّ دُعَاؤُهُ He mentions rahimahullah, if one's heart is present when he supplicates, when he makes dua to Allah, his heart is there. It's attentive, it's present. And his need, he is true in his need. Whatever he desires from Allah, he is truthful in that need. And his hope is strong that he will have this dua accepted. His raja is strong. 
فَلَا يَكَادُ يُرَدُّ دُعَاءُ Then his dua will not be rejected. His dua will not be rejected. So this is the second advice that he gave, is that one supplicates with those ad'iyah that are ma'thura from the Prophet and he supplicates in times where dua will be more likely to be accepted. And then he mentions, وَيَضُمُّ إِلَىٰ ذَلِكَ الْإِسْتِغْفَارِ فَإِنَّهُ مَنْ إِسْتَغْفَرَ اللَّهَ ثُمَّ تَابَ إِلَيْهِ مَتَّعَهُ مَتَّعًا حَسَنًا إِلَىٰ أَجَلٍ مُسَمَّى And he said, and add to that al-istighfar, to seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for indeed, the one who seeks forgiveness from Allah, and then turns to him in repentance, then Allah will grant him a good enjoyment for a term that is fixed and appointed. So this is the next piece of advice he gave, al-istighfar. You make dua and you make istighfar. And as we see this fitan now in these days of ours, in these fitan, what does one seek? He seeks safety and security from these fitan, from these trials that we experience. And from those means and from the greatest of means that one is saved from these fitan is al-istighfar. By way of istighfar, sins are forgiven. By way of istighfar, one will attain barakah in his risk. But one affair that we all must understand is that every affliction that we face throughout our lives Every evil, then they only occur because of our sins. Our sins are the reason. Al-Fudayl ibn Iyad, rahimahullah, he said, as it occurs in Hilyatul Awliya of Abu Nu'im, وَإِنِّي لَا أَعْصِ اللَّهَ فَأَعْرِفُ ذَلِكَ فِي خُلُقِ حِمَارِ وَخَادِمِ He said, rahimahullah, Indeed, I disobey Allah and I know that in the mannerisms of my donkey, my riding beast and my servant. So whatever one may see from those around him, those interactions that are or that he faces from others, if there are evil interactions that one should understand first and foremost that it is because of his sins, because of his evil deeds. And if he understands this, then the only thing that leads to is istighfar. If you know that what you face is because of your sins, you will seek the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the one who ponders over the Qur'an and reflects, he will find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has clarified in many verses the virtue of istighfar, the level and status of istighfar, in many verses. From them, mustaghfiru. And ask Allah for his forgiveness. Truly Allah is oft forgiving, most merciful. And he said subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَسَارِعُوا إِلَىٰ مَغْفِرَةٍ مِّن رَبِّكُمْ And hasten to forgiveness from your Lord. And he said, وَأَنِ اسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ ثُمَّ تُوبُ إِلَيْهِ يُمَتِّعُكُمْ مَتَاعًا حَسَنًا إِلَىٰ أَجَلٍ مُسَمَّى وَيُؤْتِ كُلَّ ذِي فَضْلٍ فَضْلًا And seek forgiveness from your Lord and turn to him in repentance that he may grant you good enjoyment for a term appointed. The Shaykh, the Allama, Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti, rahimahullah, he said in Adwa'ul Bayan, after this verse, that which is apparent from this verse, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, good enjoyment, mata'an hasanan, what this means is, having risk or having um, broadness in your risk and well-being in the dunya this is what it, it is intended as for al-ajal al-musamma an appointed time what this means is death so if one seeks forgiveness from his lord he turns to Allah in repentance then Allah will give him risk and bless him in that risk and he will give him well-being in the dunya until he dies one must continue upon istighfar, seeking forgiveness from his Lord. 
As for ahadith that speak about forgiveness, istighfar, then again in many ahadith the Prophet ﷺ made clear the fadl of istighfar and that the Prophet ﷺ himself would persistently seek forgiveness from his Lord, even though his previous and future sins were forgiven. It's mentioned in Sahih Bukhari that he said, Wallahi inni la astaghfirullah wa atubu ilayhi fil yawmi akthara min sab'ina marra. He said, Indeed, I seek Allah's forgiveness and I turn to Him in repentance in a day more than 70 times. Prophet said this, more than 70 times. In another hadith, he said, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, a hundred times. And the Prophet ﷺ was one whose previous and future sins were forgiven. So my brothers, if that is the case, should we not seek forgiveness from our Lord? Should we not seek forgiveness? More than this, be persistent. And this affair of istighfar, is it the case that one seeks forgiveness in one sitting? Is it just that one sits in one place and he says, Astaghfirullah. Al-Hasan al-Basri, he mentions, as narrated by Ibn Abi dunya in Al-Tawbah, أَكْثِرُوا مِنَ الْإِسْتِخْفَارِ فِي بُيُوتِكُمْ وَعَلَى مَوَائِدِكُمْ وَفِي طُرُقِكُمْ وَفِي أَسْوَاقِكُمْ وَفِي مَجَالِسِكُمْ أَيْنَمَا كُنْتُمْ فَإِنَّكُمْ مَا تَدْرُونَ مَتَى تَنْزِلُوا الْمَغْفِرَةِ He said, Rahimahullah, the great Tabi'i, he said, Seek Allah's forgiveness often in your houses and upon your dinner tables when you sit to eat and when you are walking upon your paths and in the marketplaces and in your sittings, wherever you may be. For indeed, you do not know when Allah's forgiveness will descend. So it's not just the case of sitting in one place and saying Astaghfirullah. Wherever you may be, if you're traveling to work, if you're in a queue waiting for something, if you're sitting at your dinner table waiting for the food to come to you, make istighfar. Seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And a final point concerning istighfar, as mentioned by Al-Allamat Al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah, he said, Al-Istighfar Al-Matloob, the istighfar that is intended, that which is sought, is that which removes the shackle of being persistent in sinning. This is the istighfar that is intended. What that means is, when one seeks forgiveness from Allah, whatever he is upon from sin, he wants to stop that sin. Whether that is, whether that is on his tongue or on his limbs, he wants to stop. And it is not just saying astaghfirullah with the tongue only. He mentions, as for the one who says astaghfirullah with the tongue only, and his heart is persistent upon sins, then his istighfar itself requires istighfar. His seeking forgiveness requires seeking forgiveness because he's not truthful. Rather, the istighfar that is sought, that we should make, is that we are truthful and we should stop that sin. This is what we want from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the tawfiq, to stop that sin that we are seeking forgiveness for. But if he persists upon that sin, whilst making istighfar, he mentions that his minor sin ends, ends up becoming a major sin. And it has been narrated from Al-Hassan al-Basri, he mentions, istighfaruna yahtaju ila istighfar. That our istighfar, our seeking forgiveness from Allah, that itself requires istighfar. So a person, when he seeks forgiveness, he does it with his heart and not upon the tongue only. Both must be present and he must be truthful and that he must hope from Allah the tawfiq to stop that sin. Shaykh al-Islam then he mentioned وَلْيَتَّخِذَ وِرْدًا مِنَ الْأَذْكَارِ طَرَفَيِ النَّهَارِ وَوَقْتِ النَّوْمِ وَلْيَصْبِرَ عَلَى مَا يَعْرِضُ, ما يعرض لَهُ مِنَ الْمَوَانِعِ وَالصَّوَارِفِ فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَلْبَثُ أَنْ يُؤَيِّدَ اللَّهُ بِرَوْحٍ مِنْهُ وَيَكْتُبُ الْإِيمَانَ فِي قَلْبِهِ He mentioned, Rahimahullah, 
after seeking istighfar, one should be persistent in adhkar, in remembering Allah in the morning and in the evening and at the time of sleep, before he sleeps. And they should have patient, patience upon those affairs that may, he may face that can prevent him. If he wants to perform these adhkar, he may face affairs that can stop him or prevent him. He should have patience. For indeed, one does not persist upon affair except that Allah, he gives him strength and he writes iman in his heart. So this is the next affair that he mentioned, adhkar. Remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the day, in the evening and before one sleeps. And if one preserves these adhkar throughout his life, Allah will protect him. And he will attain much reward in the akhirah. So these adhkar, it is befitting a Muslim preserves them. And as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Qur'an, أَلَا بِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ تَطْمَئِنُّ الْقُلُوبِ Verily in the remembrance of Allah do hearts find tranquility. So the believer he finds this peace and tranquility when he remembers Allah. And as it's mentioned in the Hadith Qudsi, a Hadith narrated in the Sahihain that the Prophet sallallahu said that Allah azza wa he said, I am towards my servant as my servant's expectation of me. I am with him when he remembers me. If he remembers me in his self, I will remember him in myself. And if he remembers me in a gathering, I will remember him in a better gathering. And if he advances towards me in obedience by a handspan, I advance towards him with acceptance and reward by a forearm's length. And if he advances towards me in obedience by a forearm's length, I advance towards him with acceptance and reward by an extended arm's length. And if he comes to me in obedience, <coughs> walking, I come to him with acceptance and reward hurriedly. So this is the affair, my brothers, with dhikr. If you remember Allah, Allah will remember you. If you remember Allah in a gathering, Allah remembers you in a gathering that is greater and better. So one should persist upon these adhkar and strive and preserve them. In those times, adhkar in the sabah, as the ulama they mention, is after the fajr prayer or the time of fajr. As for the adhkar of the evening, then that is after asr. And then of course the adhkar before one sleeps. That we should learn these adhkar, memorize them, teach our children, our families, that they are always reciting them. Because through these adhkar, there are numerous benefits. Ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah, he mentions up to 73 benefits of adhkar. Or dhikr of Allah. From them, for example, is that one attains the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From those benefits is that one is protected wherever he may be, wherever he may reside. Allah protects him. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as mentioned, he remembers him in a gathering that is better than, than the one he is in. That through these adhkar, one is protected from the evil eye and envy. Through these adhkar, one attains strength in his body to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That one attains the, the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That his hasanat and his thawab, his reward increases through these adhkar. And there are many, many other benefits, my brothers. The point being that the Muslim, he preserves them. As much as he can. And he may face throughout the day those affairs that make him forgetful. But he still strives.
Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah, he mentions in Madarij Salikin that by way of adhkar, by way of the dhikr, one can overpower the shaytan. The way the shaytan overpowers a person when he is forgetful. When a person is forgetful, he is in a state of heedlessness. At that point, if he doesn't busy himself with ibadah, with dhikr, with the Qur'an, with seeking knowledge, with khair, what does he busy himself with? What does his hawa call to, his nafs, his desires, what do they call to? He's not upon khair, the only thing that he, be, can, can he, he can be upon is shar, is evil. This is what his hawa calls to. Sheikh bin Baz, rahimahullah, he mentioned Al-Ghaflatu an dhikrillah wa an qiraat al-Qur'an min asbabi istila'i shayatini ala al-insan. That when one is negligent and concerned in the dhikr of Allah and reciting the Qur'an, then this is from the reasons and causes for the shayateen overpowering a person. This is from those means and causes and reasons. And for the increase of whispers. And for the increase of humum. Those sorrows that one feels when one is down and depressed. It's because he doesn't remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But this affair of dhikr, my brothers, is easy. It is light upon the tongue. It is easy. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned in the hadith, كَلِمَتَانِ خَفِيفَتَانِ عَلَى اللِّسَانِ ثَقِيلَتَانِ فِي الْمِيزَانِ حَبِيبَتَانِ إِلَى الرَّحْمَانِ سُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ وَبِحَمْدِهِ سُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ الْعَظِيمِ He said two words, two statements that are light upon the tongue. The dhikr is easy upon the tongue, but they are heavy upon the scales. And they are beloved to Ar-Rahman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah wa bihamdih, subhanallah al-azim. Adhkar is easy upon the tongue, my brothers. And from those benefits that one may find in the akhirah, Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, he mentions, on yawm al-qiyamah, when the veil is lifted from one's deeds that he committed, he sees the scrolls of his actions. He mentioned, rahimahullah, that there is nothing better, nothing more virtuous to him than dhikr. And on that day, many a people will be regretful and they will say that there was nothing more easy upon us than dhikr. They will be regretful because they did not remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this again, my brothers, dhikr of Allah, these adhkar of the day and the night and before one sleeps, one should preserve them and be persistent upon them. From those adhkar, for example, as it occurs in the hadith of Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, he is not a servant who says in the day and the night, Bismillah alladhi la yadurru ma'asmihi shay'un fil ardi wa la fil sama'i wa huwa sami'un alim thalathu marrat lam yadurrahu shay. That if he says these kalimat in the name of Allah, who nothing can harm the person due to his name in the heavens and in the earth, if he says this three times, nothing will harm him. As the Prophet ﷺ said, Al-Qurtubi, he mentions, after mentioning this um, hadith, he said, هذا خبر صحيح. This خبر, this hadith, is authentic. وقول صادق. It is a, a statement that is, truth, that is truthful. It is true. And we know that it is true based upon experience also. And he mentions, indeed, I heard this hadith and I would act upon this hadith, and nothing would harm me. Except for that day that I found that I was bitten by a scorpion on a night, and I reflected over my day, my deeds, what I had done. فَإِذَا أَنَا قَدْ نَسِيتُ أَنْ أَتَعَوَّذَا بِتِلْكَ الْكَلِمَاتِ And he said that I had remembered then that I had forgotten 
to seek refuge with Allah with these words. And so he showed from experience that if one forgets these adhkar, he may expose himself to harm. And so again, my brothers, we teach ourselves, our families, our children, to be upon these adhkar. Shaykh al-Islam, he then mentioned that uh, uh, the person وَلْيَحِصَ عَلَىٰ إِكْمَالِ الْفَرَائِضِ مِنَ الصَّلَوَاتِ الْخَمْسِ بِبَاطِنِهِ وَظَاهِرِهِ فَإِنَّهَا عَمُودُ الدِّينِ He mentioned, رحمه الله, that a person should strive and be diligent in completing the fara'id, the obligatory deeds. From that, the five daily prayers. Inwardly and outwardly. فَإِنَّهَا عَمُودُ الدِّينِ For indeed, it is the pillar of the religion. How does one establish the Salah as it should be? How does one establish the Salah? Sheikh Fawzani mentions in his explanation of Arba'in and Nawawiyah from those affairs is that one, he performs the Salah in its rightful time. Every Salah has its rightful time. One performs them in that time. From those affairs is that one has khushu' and he is humble before his Lord, he recognizes that he's standing before his Lord and he has khushu' and tuma'nina, he is at peace. From those affairs is that one, he carries out the conditions and the wajibat, the obligations and the pillars as they should be performed. From those affairs is that one performs the salah in jama'ah, in congregation. And he mentioned, Hafidahullah, why was the Adhan legislated? If a man can pray wherever he wants to, he can pray at home if he wants to, what's the point of the Adhan? Rather, man should pray the Salah in the Masjid. These are from those affairs that leads to one establishing the Salah as it should be performed. Ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah, he mentions in Al-Fawaid, he said that for the servant, he has in front of his Lord two standings. The servant has before his Lord two standings. The first standing is the standing of the prayer. And the second standing is when he will meet his Lord on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. These are the two standings that he has. فَمَنْ قَامَ بِحَقِّ الْمَوْقِفِ الْأَوَّلِ هُوِّنَ عَلَيْهِ الْمَوْقِفُ الْآخَرِ So if the one performs that first standing before his Lord as it should be performed, then the second standing will be made easy for him. And if one is negligent concerning the first standing before his Lord, the Salah, he does not give it its rights, then the second standing will be made hard for him and difficult. And then he mentioned the verse, وَمِنَ اللَّيْلِ فَاسْجُدْ لَهُ وَسَبِّحُ لَيْلًا طَوِيلًا إِنَّ هَؤُلَاءِ يُحِبُّونَ الْعَاجِلَةَ وَيَذَرُونَ وَرَاءَهُمْ يَوْمًا ثَقِيلًا He mentioned, and during the night, prostrate yourself to him, meaning Maghrib and Isha, and glorify him a long night through, meaning tahajjud. Verily these, meaning the kuffar, they love the present life of this world and put behind them a heavy day. Meaning Yawm Al-Qiyamah. This is the affair of the Salah, my brothers. That he stands before his Lord and he recognizes this and he will be asked concerning this standing. And he will make the second standing easy. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Afwan, he mentions, uh, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala mentions in the Quran, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ تَنْهَا عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ Indeed, the prayer prevents from al-fahsha and al-munkar, the prayer prevents one from evil, from lewdness, from sins. This is the affair of the salah. And Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, he said, As-salatu idha ata biha kama umira nahathu an al-fahshai wal-munkar. If one performs the salah, as he was commanded to perform the salah, it will prevent one from evil deeds. If it doesn't prevent him, 
then that is a proof that he is negligent concerning his salah and he's wasting away some of the rights of the prayer. And this is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, فَخَلَفَ مِن بَعْدِهِمْ خَلْفٌ أَضَاعُ الصَّلَاةِ Then there has succeeded them a posterity, a group, a progeny who have given up the salah. They gave up the salah. How did they give up the salah? Shaykh al-Islami said, التَّفْرِيطُ فِي وَاجِبَاتِهَا وَإِن كَانَ يُصَلِّيهَا How does one give up the salah? He is negligent concerning the salah, the wajibat, even if he prays. So one must perform the salah as he has been commanded. Sheikh Fawzani says, Hafidahullah, that the salah that is sahih, that is correct, has an effect upon the person and his a'mal and his suluk and his mannerisms. And he mentions this verse, Indeed the salah prevents from evil and sins and lewdness. And then he mentioned that the one who prays with an attentive heart and with khushu' and he bears in mind the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is the person that when he prays, his salah will benefit him. And his salah will prevent him from evil. And he will attain from this salah success. As for the one who prays, suriyatan, just from the outside appearance he's praying salah, without his heart being there, without khushu, his heart is in one place, and his body is there standing, but his heart is in another part of the world, he's thinking about something else. And this person will not attain any benefit in his salah. So this is the affair of salah, my brothers. That when he prays and he stands before his Lord, he performs the salah as he should perform. With the shurut, the conditions and the wajibat, the obligations and the pillars. And this is how one can find benefit from his salah. Shaykh al-Islam, he then mentioned, وَلِتَكُنْ uh, he mentions that his retreat should be another form of dhikr for indeed by way of this dhikr he will be able to bear and burden much from affliction those affairs that he sees that may be terrifying and harmful, they will be removed and you can burden this and he will attain loftiness. <clears throat> concerning, concerning this statement of La hawla la quwwata illa billah, the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith that it is a kens min kunuzil jannah. It is a treasure from the treasures of paradise. And Nawawi rahimahullah he explains how. He says that the reason for this, that this kalima, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah, he said it is kalima to istislam wa tafweed ilallah ta'ala. When one utters this statement, he is referring his affair back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's submitting to him. He's acknowledging that he is weak and he submits. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is the one who has the ability to remove this harm that he may face. And that the abd, the servant of Allah, he doesn't possess anything. And he mentions that the meaning of kans, a treasure, is a reward that is saved for him in the akhirah, in Jannah. And this thawab is nafis. It is an invaluable reward that he will receive. Similarly, Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah, he mentions concerning the statement that since la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah is a treasure from the treasures of Jannah and the fact that it is a treasure, it is hidden from many people. And the affair of this kalima 
and his great affair is that the Prophet was blessed with this kalima. He was given this kalima as it occurs in the hadith al-arsh, from under the throne. And the one who utters this statement of La hawla la quwwata illa billah, he submits aslama wastaslam. He submits and he lowers himself, he humbles himself, and he leaves the affair that he has with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As for the meaning of this kalima, what does la hawla la quwwata illa billah mean? Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, he said, la hawla bina. That we have no power or ability to obey Allah except through Him. This power that we may, may receive, this is from Allah. We ourselves, we have no ability or power. And we don't have the ability or the power to abandon sins except by way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so this statement, my brothers, it reminds us again and it reiterates that we are du'afa, that we are weak. That we are weak. That man is weak. That we possess nothing. Whatever we have from khayr, it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if any harm is repelled or removed, it is by way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not from our own hands and from our own deeds. And so one should not be deceived with himself. That he may have some ilm or some hifd or so on, some amal, and he's deceived. Rather he understands that he is weak before his Lord and he submits and he makes dhikr of Allah with these types of adhkar. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Shaykh al-Islam, he then mentioned, وَلَا يَسْأَمَا مِنَ الدُّعَاءِ وَالطَّلَبِ فَإِنَّ الْعَبْدَ يُسْتَجَابُ لَهُ مَا لَمْ يَعْجَلْ فَيَقُولُ قَدْ دَعَوْتُ فَلَمْ يُسْتَجَبْ لِي He mentions that one should not be fed up of making dua or seeking from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for indeed the servant is given and accepted, his, his dua is accepted as long as he's not hasty. As long as he's not hasty and he says, I have invoked upon Allah and he was not responded. One should not be hasty. And this is mentioned in a hadith. That one should not be hasty. He should have sabr and patience. He should call upon Allah, persist upon that. Be regular in his dua and hope for acceptance. Abu Darda radiallahu anhu, the noble companion, he mentioned, as, mentioned, uh, as narrated by Ibn Abu Shayba in um, Al Musannaf, he said, Jiddu bid dua. He said, Strive in your supplications. Always supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fa'innahu man yukfiru qar al babi. يُوشِكُ أَنْ يُفْتَحَ لَهُ That the one who persists and knocks upon a door persistently, then it is about to be open for him. That if one supplicates to his Lord, it will be accepted. And if he stops, then how can he attain what he wants? So he must be persistent in dua. And this is a continuation of what he mentioned before, of the importance of dua. And then he finished off, my brothers, this answer, this tremendous answer, he said, وَلِيَعْلَمَ أَنَّ النَّصْرَ مَعَ الصَّبْرِ وَأَنَّ الْفَرَجَ مَعَ الْكَرْبِ وَأَنَّ مَعَ الْعُسْرِ يُسْرَ وَلَمْ يَنَلْ أَحَدٌ شَيْئًا مِنْ جَسِيمِ الْخَيْرِ نَبِيٌّ فَمَنْ دُونَهُ إِلَّا بِالصَّبْرِ He said that he should know that aid and victory comes with patience. And that one is saved from his difficulties. This comes after hardship. And that ease comes after hardship. And that one does not attain anything from good 
whether that is a prophet or those below them, except through a sabr, except through patience. So the last advice he gives is that one has sabr. And every other advice that he gave before this, dua, istighfar, al-luju, adhkar, the fara'id, all of them require sabr. All of them require patience. What is sabr, my brothers? Ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah, he mentions, he said that sabr is habsul nafsi an tasakhuti bil maqdur wa habsul lisani an shakwa wa habsul jawarihi an al ma'siyah kal latmi wa shaqqi al thiyab wa nadfi al sha'r wa nahwi dhalik he mentioned that sabr is habsul nafsi an tasakhuti bil maqdur that sabr is to withhold and refrain from being displeased with that which is decreed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is to withhold the tongue from complaining, of course, to other than Allah. And to withhold the sins, withhold the limbs, afwan, from sins, from ma'asiyah such as striking the cheek or ripping off of clothes and pockets and ripping out and pulling out hair. Those actions that were from the time of Jahiliyyah, when they were distressed, they would do these affairs. They would shout out, they would strike their cheeks and beat their cheeks, they would rip their clothes, they would rip their hair out. All of this shows that one does not have sabr. And then he mentions, rahimahullah, that sabr revolves around these three pillars that he's mentioned. And if, if the abd, he carries out, salam rahmatullah, this affair of sabr as he should, then an affliction becomes for him a blessing. A calamity becomes a gift for him. That which he hates and dislikes become that which is beloved to him. And he mentions, indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not test a person to destroy him. This is not why one is tested. So Allah destroys him. Rather, he is tested to see what his patience is like, what his ubudiyah is like, his servitude. How does he worship Allah? This is why he's tested. For Allah, he has upon his servant servitude in times of hardship, the way he has ubudiyah in times of ease, meaning. Not only should one worship Allah in times of ease, rather he worships Allah in all times, in ease and in hardship. As Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah mentioned in Al-Wabil Al-Sayyib, that the majority of the creation, they only worship Allah for they give him servitude in affairs that they love. فيما يحبون وَالشَّأْنُ However, the affair is that one, he gives servitude, he worships Allah in times of hardship, in those affairs that he dislikes. And by way of that, the levels of the servants differ. And due to that, is what will determine the level and rank of the servants according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That one worships Allah not only in times of ease, uh, not only in times of hardship, but he worships him in times of ease. He remembers him in times of ease as well. And as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, تَعَرَّفْ إِلَى اللَّهِ Remember Allah at times of ease and He will remember you during the times of hardship. And concerning the, the calamities and afflictions, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He said, That indeed we test you until we know those that are mujahideen, those that strive from you, 
And those that are sabirin, those that are patient. And as we know, my brothers, as-sabru, patience is three types. Patience upon the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that when he, when he performs salah and, and he fasts and hajj and he gives zakat, he has sabr upon that. And patience, the second type is patience from sinning. That to refrain from a sin, even though the desires call to that, requires patience. And the third type is having patience upon those affairs that Allah has decreed, such as sickness and affliction and illness and harms and so on. These are the three types. And that one has sabr in all of these affairs. And as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentioned, Fasbir, He said, so have patience indeed. The end outcome that is good is for the muttaqin. It's for the believers, those that have taqwa. So my brothers, in all of these affairs, have, uh, have sabr. In your salah, in your dua, in your istighfar, your adhkar. Whatever it may be, have sabr. Have patience. For indeed, the end outcome is for the believers. And then Shaykh al-Islam, he finished off by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so this answer that he gave my brothers, a concise answer for these afflictions. But it is beneficial and applicable to all times. And it is something that we should refer to often. This type of um, answer that he gave. <coughs> and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he blesses us with those affairs that he mentioned. And that he gives us tawfiq to that which he is pleased with. And loves from speech and actions. For indeed, he is Jawadun Kareem. Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.